Hey everyone, hey, welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are back with yet another episode of this never-ending journey into the annals of Metallica history. We have been going through a hell of a lot of songs right now. And, you know, we need a lot of guests to keep this chain going, really. You know, they are the, uh, the creative coal, as it were, the catalyst. And one of the treats of the show as we go through is to have repeat guests on, to have friends of mine outside of this shit, people whose musical opinions I respect, you know, me and this guy actually met on the first day of university, the first night of uh, being at the University of Liverpool like eight, nine years ago or something like that and, you know, I've had a great creative partnership with him in the sense mostly that he's recorded the Alpha Metallica theme tune, wrote the theme tune, you know, been on the show before, one of the first guests, he was on Ain't My Bitch, he also did Ecstasy of Gold quite a while ago as well. Alex, how's it going, man? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me back here again. All good, man. We've covered, uh, you know, really a wild, disparate array of songs there from loads opening a fray to... I mean, it's not even a song. I mean, obviously, it's a song, Ecstasy of Gold, but it's not on an official album. It's basically their intro theme, weaponized, metallicanized. Yeah, well, I think you said in the episode that we did it in, it's probably their most played tune just by virtue of it opening yeah. their gigs. So it's, it's important nonetheless. So. A little bit, a little bit disappointed you're not inviting me along for the real, the real crackers. I get to get to look at some, <laughs> some Lulu today. <laughs> That's the problem, I guess. It's like a lot of people are just like, "Yo, I'm doing Enter Sandman." It's like, well, first of all, ask like, you know, just sending me this world about like that and Orion and Juan and you know whatever. But, but no, I, I appreciate you coming back on. And as I say, you know, we have done this episode before and go check them out. And just before we get onto the song itself, please follow the show at MetallicaPod. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you want to give back to the show, you want to support the show like today's email, I'm just going to read out a quick email. You can help support us on the Patreon, which I'll put the link down below as well. So yeah, big thanks quickly to Rick Nashtag. He says, Tom, just wanted to drop a note to say I love the show. I found out about it maybe a month ago and have binged it ever since. I appreciate the effort you put in, and I love that you really think about the songs and lyrics in an artistic way, using smart metaphors and creative mental pictures to add to your musical knowledge. Great stuff, and I was happy to subscribe to the Patreon. I'm a lifelong Metallica fan from New Jersey. I started listening to them in 1984 1985 when I was about 11 and it really was life-changing. I'm sure I fit a lot of the stereotypes of those older fans, but I'm also a music nerd that listens to a wide range of stuff beyond metal, so I'm genuinely open to Metallica's more adventurous ideas. That being said, you'll never convince me that Say Anger is anything but terrible. Um, Alex, where, where, where do you rest on Say Anger, actually? I'm not sure. I... I don't. I don't feel the same kind of like strength of opinion that some people do about yeah. Saint Anger. I um, okay. most people seem to focus very strongly on the snare drum sound, mm-hmm. but much like with this album, I think Metallica reached a point where they kind of stopped caring so much about mm-hmm. what people, how people really react to their albums, and they just started doing whatever they wanted. Uh, this the the, what, the track we're about to look at is a perfect example of yeah. that. So, <laughs> I find it difficult to have a, a particular particular amount of hatred towards anything like mm-hmm. Sananga. And he concludes anyway. Good luck with the rest of the tunes. If you need someone to fill in, even a Lulu tune, he said, I'd be happy to help. Definitely going to have Mark on soon. Be well, he ends, and metal up your ass. So yeah, thank Sounds you very painful. much, Rick, for that. And uh, yeah, that was actually the name of their first album before Kill 'Em All. <laughs> we get to. Lulu and you know it's a bit of an orphan of a track as you said before 
you know, for me doing these episodes, I've tried to keep it as pure as possible. I really hadn't listened to the album much before the run. I've tried to keep it that way. You know, a lot of these are kind of fresh impressions left on me, definitely as is today's song, uh, which we are lucky to have a live version of, um, which I'll get to towards the end of the episode. But um, Alex, I must ask before Lulu, Lou Reed, are you a big fan of this man? Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself a big fan. I am... Um... I'm certainly aware of a lot of his work. I haven't listened to much Velvet Underground stuff for some years now. Yeah. But um, he, I think in some ways, I, that's why I think this is a, a strange that it may seem a logical partnership. Because Lou Reed, similarly, is a guy who reached a point in his career where it's like, he can pretty much do anything and his fans yeah. will be into it. Um, and anybody who dislikes it, anybody who sort of might sneer at that, I, I think he's just very much past caring. So I kind of respect that. I think I respect someone who's able to reach that point where they gain a, an amount of creative freedom where it just doesn't really matter what anyone says. The, the people who are going to love them are going to love them. They have their fan base very much set. Yeah, I'm not too outwardly familiar with Lou. I've got a lot of respect for Lou. Um, his album, his second album, Transformer, that is probably the one that most people are familiar with, has like Walk on the Wild Side on it. That's the one was, produced um, by David Bowie, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mick Ronson arranging it as well. And the kind of album that you see on the frontest pieces of urban outfitters throughout the country yeah. and the world. It's that kind of hipster cover. It's that kind of hipster music. But I do actually really like that album, Satellite of Love and Vicious. And, you know, it had, it had some really cool stuff on it as well. But 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 yeah, this melding as we always say on the show as i always like to imagine myself personally metallica were very much the backing band to lou and i think this was a really formative experience for them moving forward into the latter phase of their career it's so fantastic how experimental and open to uh, you know transformation themselves here it was and um mistress dread then alex like there's a there's a running theme when we go through the lulu songs and this kind of coheres to it widely in the sense where it's a giant riff you know it's an, an enormous diaphanous riff that erupts and bobbles and is pretty monotonous but still has some kind of drops and rises with lou over the top this dissonant old man warbling these odd platitudes it is um it's definitely a very powerful riff, like you say. I think there's probably a lot of Metallica fans that would like, would probably prefer to hear this kind of riff in a very different tune. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, monotonous is definitely one way of, of looking at it. It goes, and this is even one of the shorter tracks on the album. That's right. Um, <laughs> but I guess the there, because there is a there is a theme to this album, isn't it? And this is this kind of ties into it. This is it's, um, Frank Vaderkind, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. It's sort of based on his plays and is largely focused on the kind of life of some, I don't know, like a uh, sort of artist in Germany. Yeah, sort of dissolute. Yeah. Sort of yeah. descending I mean... into prostitution and mm-hmm. and degeneracy. And um, it's interesting because presumably given the alpha, al- the alphabetical nature of this uh, podcast, presumably you've done a few of the tracks from this album before. Indeed. Um, I don't know if you've done it with any guests before. Like, are you? Has anybody had any particular strong reaction to the lyrics? Because they're pretty, they're pretty 
graphic? Um, not especially, no. Um, and I don't know if that maybe isn't because we've covered those certain songs, but there's one song we've covered, actually the closing song of this album, that's 19 minutes long. Mm. I mean, that's fucking Dream Theater length. That's Rush length. That's, that, you know, that's damn, that is kind of admirable, 19 minutes 30. And that's kind of a, you know, a, a tribute, an elegy to his father. And it's actually quite de- delicate. But I do agree with what you're saying. Um, it is reading like a, a lunatic's note in an asylum at times. It's kind of scribbled on a wall. It's kind of Lovecraftian. Mm, the whole and, thing is kind of insane. Like, mm, yeah. And that's certainly like, how Lou just... Reed comes across in it as well. Like, he, he embraces <laughs> that kind of man, man gone crazy, kind of exploring the the mm-hmm. very closing stages of of his life, sexually speaking. Like, it's a real. There's a real focus on that. There's a real focus yeah. on like nothing works for me anymore. So just. I'm just desperately clawing at the very last remnants of whatever dirt I can get under my fingernails. Mistress Dread, as well as a title. Mm. Yeah, that is a good title. Um, yeah, I think and it's so. a very, like I said, a very solid riff accompanies it. But mm. this track, kind of like a lot, because I listened to this whole album. Uh, before obviously I came on in, in preparation to get the yeah. full context and and this track like quite a few of the tracks on the album I just feel like the experimentation doesn't go far enough I kind of expected Metallica okay. to deviate even more than what they did because I because I'd not actually heard this album in in full yeah. before now and like yeah I, I just I almost was almost a bit disappointed that it wasn't a harder listen in a way from the Metallica side what you mean because there's bits where like in the opening of this track it's got this kind of opening drone soundscape and mm-hmm. it continues through the riff to give it this real kind of sense of stasis but I don't know it just, just, just doesn't go far enough for me I kind of expected them yeah. to, to go even further other parts of the album have the strings and they have more soundscapey stuff but there's a real falling back on a big riff and it doesn't it yeah. doesn't warp into something new to make it exciting enough for me i kind of wanted to be challenged even more than i was yeah yeah no i get that there is a kind of dissension between the elements and structurally as well this song isn't like a death grips type number it literally is two big riffs with kind of a drum break in between and and yeah you're right that is the bedrock of this album and that's something that we always mention on pretty much all of these songs on lulu and they are that and a lot of people do feel that you know maybe the riffs are getting wasted or whatever and this as a whole as a song to me uh i think is fun in of itself but definitely not one of the high watermarks of lulu it's funny you mention uh not being challenged enough uh, by or being surprised by how unchallenging it was i felt the same way uh a slight detour as like a 14 year old when i first listened to nevermind the bollocks mm. like i expected this like death metal thing and i remember hearing it and it's quite gentle punk yeah well like well something like that you can kind of think of it in the historical context compared mm. to anything that came before but this is 2011 that's right i mean obama's in his second term it's, it's surprisingly tame if anything like <laughs> there are some there are some powerful riffs in it and i guess if you're a big metallica fan hearing something like lou reed going along with this is going to be really jarring but anybody i think has sort of explored more experimental music and have, maybe has a you know developed a more of a tolerance to more challenging music i think is likely to find this whole album and and a track like this to be a, yeah kind of tame and wow. so um, you're really not sold on this song i mean i didn't i don't i listened to the whole album and obviously mm. this track quite a few times i don't i don't hate it 
I actually quite enjoyed quite a bit of it. There's there are some good tracks on the uh, on the album for sure, and I like the yeah. riff in this. I really like the middle section where it kind of falls away and it feels more improvisational. And there's like "You Are My Goliath" yeah. and it has the the kind of the you know the, the the symbols coming up. I really like that bit. I just wish they just have that and then they fall back into the riff again until they decide to stop. And I feel like this track is particularly emblematic of a problem on this album, which is that everything feels like so everything feels very underdeveloped. It feels like everything is like they did they did like the I don't know, they almost did only one pass through of the track. They did like one improvised pass through and just left it at that. Maybe that's intentional, I don't know, but it's it's not satisfying. I feel like you could take a track like this and really try and develop it further because there's some really good ideas in it it could become something quite exciting especially for a band like metallica and taking them in a different direction and there's a lot of logic behind the collaboration with lou reed but yeah it just doesn't go it doesn't go far enough for me it feels like a wasted opportunity like it could have been more experimental it could have been more daring and because they are who they are and they're at that stage in their careers like they can get away with that. They can just do it for themselves. And that, I, I really got that sense that they are doing it for themselves. And what riff do you prefer? In in this track? Yeah, do you prefer the sort of more thrashy opener? Oh, yeah. Or yeah no, that's, that's really cool. start end. The Like, it's really fast and pounding and... Demanding of the right hand. Oh, definitely. That Hetfield down, downstroking is, uh, you know, but... full, full, like, absolute full-on speed. It that's, makes me respect crazy. the uh, the bass playing though more than anything. Like he's actually yeah. doing it with his fingers in that live video. Mm-hmm. And like as a, as somebody who plays bass in a metal band, like yeah, that that's that's really hard to to keep up for that long when you're doing it for what what is nearly seven minutes. Like that's hard. That's really difficult. Shout out in habit, by the way. Oh yeah, I suppose I should. Uh, <laughs> I suppose I should mention. Um... You're on a metal podcast, bro. Like... Yeah, so I, I do play bass in a metal band called Inhabit. It's um, more kind of like metalcore, new metal-y elements to it, I suppose. Sure. Um, Is it like Limp Bizkit-ish? Or? Not really. No, more not, corn? Not or... really. It's kind of like, it's a bit more like a very, it's like Rage Against the Machine okay. meets kind of a bit few more modern electronic-y kind of elements. That's cool. um, so, yeah, we just, we just released a new track called set the restart and um it's on youtube so yeah if, you, if you're interested in that sort of thing you can check it out yeah yeah we'll put the link we'll put the link down below definitely man but um but yeah no the bass playing is exceptional and the drumming as well and it is that endurance level like let's talk about that live video mm. which was really good to see and something that happens in the video that i'm you know really glad was captured and shared was a little bit of banter between lou and james <laughs> yeah yeah, there's like the, oh, I don't know where we are. and Yeah, what country am I in? We, we haven't played it live naked like this and lose like yeah. for 10 minutes. Like <laughs> Not in an hour, he says. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's, that's why, that shows why it makes sense that it's a logical collaboration. It is like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they they share a lot of common, I think, with the way that they approach their music at that stage in their careers. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they wanted people to hate it. Maybe they kind of wanted it to be, you know, sometimes it's like uh, the old quote, you know, with anything worse than being talked about is not being talked about. They kind of wanted to have that reaction to it, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, the crowd do eat it up, though, obviously just because it's Metallica, it's Lou, it's Germany, whatever, but in the live version, which, again, is very cool to see, there aren't many songs out there that are uh, caught live, and just, James just seems to be having an absolute ball here, oh, he's, he's like well a man possessed it, yeah. at times. But is there, there not many other videos of them playing these tracks live, then? They never got played live, really, because obviously, I mean, I think it was a one-off in of itself, and then Lou died pretty soon afterwards, so. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I get the impression, I don't know the exact extent of the furore, but I, um, <laughs> I, I get the impression that it was, like, really, really hated by the Die Hard oh, Metallica fans, like. Uh, Pitchfork gave it like a zero. I mean, fuck Pitchfork, but it's quite a notorious review they gave. <laughs> I don't think they could give it anything else. They couldn't give it. A, they couldn't give it a middling score. I don't think the needle drop hates it. Shout out Anthony. Oh, um, I'm I'm sure that I've watched his because he did a Metallica worst to best. Have you seen that one? He I'm did. Sure you've yeah, it at yeah, some yeah. Point. Yeah, he's definitely mentioned uh, along similar lines how it kind of wasn't quite daring enough. Um. So, yeah, I think we kind of share that opinion in that sense. Yeah. The real question and, is, and, whose and, blood is it on the on the album art? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and, and structurally, as I say, it is quite a boring tune and really have to hang on to lose lyrics if you want to go somewhere here. And there are moments in his delivery that I find quite, quite captivating. There is a kind of this nonsense, idiot, savant, bard, jester figure. You're perfect, the way he delivers that line as a, as a kind of ultimatum. Um, let me follow in your footsteps the pronouns that he's inhabiting. It's always himself and me and I and whilst it isn't exactly like uh, Aaron Weiss from Me Without You mm. who we're both uh, huge fans of that guy that lyricist saw him at Arctangent unbelievable unbelievable band but it's not like that like with certain songs like him uh, with him like Messes of Men and you know Wolf of Mine stuff it's like those those lines just are like dynamite in your head but here with Lou it's a little drab it's a little six form dare I say like thematically it probably coheres with a wider narrative but in of itself it needs to be compelling for me and there are some moments in the fourth verse you know I am your little girl please spit into my mouth he's saying I'm forever in your swirl as well um is a great line what do you think of his lyricism in the song Alex I think that there's because of the the deliberate crassness of all of the the mm. lyrics the the delivery becomes really important because there's a there's a risk that it might come across as a bit like a bit glib a bit kind of like oh I'm just doing it to to you know irritate people or disgust them mm. in some way but yeah Lou's delivery here and across the album is is sells it pretty well I think it definitely like you say you, you mentioned kind of idiot savant kind of approach mm. that definitely makes it work for me i remember the first time i listened to the track it i pricked my ears up when he was like i'm a woman who likes men but this is something else you know it's kind mm. of i don't know it just kind of throws you into something more more brutalist than you might have expected at first um, and obviously then i went on to listen to the rest of the album and i i think the delivery varies a lot so yeah. I, I feel like I still feel like this is probably one of the weaker tracks. There are definitely some some very strong deliveries and very strong tracks on this album, and yeah, I can't say that this is one of them. It it just comes in, it comes under the missed opportunity um, uh, category for me. Sure. And this was Lou's last release on Wax, unfortunately, mm. in 2011. And just looking at his discography now, just clicked on it out of interest. The album he released penultimately 
it was in 2007, Hudson River Wind Meditations. It was a collection of meditational music intended to relax the body. And there's two songs that are 30 minutes each, um, including Move Your Heart and Find Your Notes. So, yeah, I definitely want to explore that from Lou. I like the kind of, that static flavor that Lou brought, that kind of, you know, feedback wash, that shoegaze element um, of the playing here. And that kind of obscure dissonance, that plunging. It's kind of a pneumatic rhythms at times that you kind of are quite hypnotic and you focus on, like, a band that I've really been getting into recently, Husker Do. Like, they, they, they did a lot of that. And Alex, I'll just ask you out of interest, because I know you're a big music guy and i'll listen to them just recently have you ever listened to the minutemen uh yes uh, yeah I'm kind not... of fidgety 80s like i seem to recall is it them that um i think i think it's them that's like guy garvey from elbow has like cited them as a big influence oh is that right I think that's so. cool i think it's I them that. that's cool yeah they yeah, definitely maybe is. maybe i'm thinking of someone oh no i think i'm thinking of the walkman i've definitely okay. listened to cool. minutemen but not for some time i know i know them i know that they're kind of like a kind of like a punky yeah kind of 1980s kind of band but um what what got you onto them yeah just reading um michael azared's book this band could be your life which is kind of these oh profiles yeah. Of, yeah yeah you know sst label mates and i've always been into that, that sort of like... music you know like uh, i've always liked meat puppets and and those sort of bands and um you know green river which is a bit of a different era but still but but yeah just out of interest just got into minutemen shout out minutemen they're great there's a great uh, documentary on them as well but we must get back to mistress dread which i have to agree with your assessment really i don't think it is one of the stronger tracks on the album it's a fine song i mean people comment down below let me know what you think about mistress dread i know no one really gives a fuck about the lulu tracks you know there's no surprise in the correlation of open spots that i have on the show and lulu songs uh, no one requests them but but still, it is a great excuse uh, to get people back on the show, such as Alex. Alex, you mentioned before we went on air, you recently won a t- competition, right? Um, yeah, I found out. I found out yesterday that I, I won a composing competition. Um, mm. There is a composer called Eric Whitaker who recently collaborated with a music software company called Spitfire Audio, who are a sort of UK-based uh, company. They've released like a free version of a choir VST put on a competition where you could only use that VST to score a sort of 30 second piece of film. Right. Only found out about it a couple of days before it was due to put in. So I thought, oh, I'll have a go. It'll be, a, you know, just practice if nothing else. And yeah, it turns out I won. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, I get a free copy of like some signed vinyl from Eric Whitaker and a free copy of the full version of the, the software instrument. And uh Yes, yeah, so that was a pleasant surprise. That's great, man. How can people find that on your Twitter? Yeah, if you go on to my Twitter, my handle is at Cottrell Music, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L. Um, yeah, that will be a very recent post on there, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. just a short snippet on there. But that was a that was a sort of brightened up my uh, my Thursday. And any, any uh, closing thoughts on the song? Uh, just that I think that it's yeah, it's it's a little bit disappointing, and that I hope that. I, I don't know, I kind of, in a way, hope that Metallica will try and do something similar but go further. Hmm. Um, because they're clearly capable of it. Like, there's some really interesting stuff on this album. There's some, you know, we already know that they're a band that's capable of you know, really strong, pounding riffs like the one we get in this track. If they were to combine that in a more developed, more complete way with greater experimentation, even a kind of like early post-rocky, shoegazy kind of way, I think that would be awesome. I, w- I would love to listen to that. Um, 
but this 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 to me this album and this track in particular just feels like a bit of a first draft for a really good idea and it just never quite goes far enough no that's fair and then it ends as it begins really on these sort of sour notes it dissolves and it is a tale of two riffs you know ultimately and um lose accompaniment is obviously adorning it but yeah i do prefer the quicker riff it is crazy to watch them play it live i don't think i could ever uh you know play something like that it's absolutely brutal it's really really impressive and like i say kind of like the damage ink verse riffs kind of like all these hetfield verse riffs from that era he's always playing with the rhythms underneath always kind of ending things and highlighting things in slightly different ways i think damage ink is the best example of that but dyer's eve as well and uh, so many more but here he's doing it yet again he is a genius with the chug it's not chug a chug it's not boring you know he's bringing such character and menace and it has that those metallica stabs uh you know where verses where choruses would be but obviously lou doesn't adhere to that he's kind of freewheeling here so um yeah that was mistress dread we're gonna keep going with the show as we always do in the next few weeks We've got minus human next week the more I see with Dave, going to be great to welcome Dave back to the show. Then we got uh, Marth, not Dave Moe Noble, Breath. not Dave Noble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a name from the past, yeah. Not Dave Noble, but shout out Dave Noble, old roommate of ours in Liverpool. But Jack Chambers is coming on for Murder One. My Apocalypse is coming up as well. My Friend of Misery, and then we're going to get to episode 100, which is my world yeah. of Saint Anger. So yeah, really looking forward to You're that. You're like what? Are you getting up to halfway through now? Yeah, or. More than halfway through, yeah. So the total amount of songs, of, and I probably miscounted, but it's around 160-odd. So, yeah, I'm over the 80 mark. Um, so slowly fucking getting there. And, again, I want to remind people, because people always mention it, um, you know, it's gone so far as being beloved to the point of being covered by a French virtuoso. Alex, thanks again for doing the theme tune, man. Oh, my pleasure, yeah. I remember you, you asked me to do a sort of Metallica-style riff for it. So, <laughs> oh, it's great fun, yeah. No, um, I mean, you are my guy to go to, and obviously if anyone has any music queries i'm just curious about alex's you know huge output for um you know soundtracks and and video games and games and uh, as mentioned for competitions uh, alex how do people find your stuff uh your best bet is uh finding me on I, I tend to use instagram quite a lot these days so the handle for that is uh, cultural music again and uh you can find me on various other social media through that and uh yeah that that's your best bet that's the portal to all the other places really going as i show you can follow the show at metallica pod if you want to get on the show get at me metallica pod at gmail.com if you want to get back to the show you enjoy the show episodes like this you know often i record episodes a few weeks before they actually go on the channel so they will go on the patreon first um hit me up what do you want me to cover you know recently doing that guns and roses metallica episode uh their touring 92 solo was really fun to do the research just record that straight away so if there's a certain era certain subject you want me to get into first of all check the channel see if i've done it first on loads of stuff in the early days but yeah if it's not there let me know we'll cover it i'm really looking forward to it already so yeah this has been tom al patalica back with alex sure gonna have him on again before we reach the end of the run alex thanks again man thanks for having me i want to be back on for uh i want to be back on for you really got me you really <laughs> You really got the me. Cover. The cover. final one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, It's yeah, me or James Hetfield, so, you know, get him on. <laughs> get him on. Oh, Alex, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll, I'll speak to you again soon, no doubt.